Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Ala Hunkins about effective leadership and his new book, Creating the Leadership Code, Three Secrets to Building Strong Leaders. Ala Hunkins, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thanks so much, John. It's my pleasure to be with you today. Yeah, I'm excited to chat and discuss uh, all things leadership related and, you know, specifically your book, Cracking the Leadership Code. Uh, we'll have an opportunity to, to really explore that and just really pick, I'm excited to pick your brain about the various um, elements of effective leadership, uh, things to avoid you know, the, the common pitfalls and things like that so that we can lead more people-centric, effective, productive, and innovative organizations. Great. Sounds like a great plan. Let's, let's, go, let's do it. <laughs> so, okay. Great. As we get going, uh, I'm going to go ahead and uh, share Alain's bio with the listeners. Uh, he helps high-achieving people become high-achieving leaders. Over his 20-year career, Alain has worked with over 2,000 groups of leaders in 25 countries. Clients include uh, Walmart, Pfizer, Citigroup, General Electric, State Farm Insurance, IBM, General Motors, and Microsoft. In addition to being a leadership speaker, consultant, trainer, and coach, he is the author of Cracking the Leadership Code, Three Secrets to Building Strong Leaders, uh, published by Wiley earlier this year, which was endorsed by leadership luminary uh, Jim Poses, Barry Posner, and Marshall Goldsmith. A faculty member of Duke Corporate Education, his writing has been featured in Fast Company, Inc., Forbes, Chief Executive, Chief Learning Officer, and Business Insider. A really great uh, background, obviously uh, a tremendous level of expertise and experience, and I like how we we share kind of that um, researcher, uh, academic, uh, practitioner kind of shared role. Uh, I'm a professor full-time and do uh, consulting on the side, and you're kind of the other way. You do consulting full-time and, and do uh, more professorial type uh, things and research and teaching on the side, um, but it's it's an awesome place to be where we can have our, our, um, our research and our teaching inform our consulting and vice versa. Um, so anyways, great uh, to be with you. Anything you would like to share in terms of background before we really launch in? I mean, you've covered it well. I mean, I think bringing the research from the academic side and then applying it to the the real world. I know that, you know, leadership, it's easier to talk about than it is to do. So I really hope that in our conversation, we can get down to some of that nitty gritty tactical stuff that the listeners can really take away and, and start to implement immediately. So I'm looking forward to our conversation about that. Yeah, me too. And to your point, 
I, I as you as you were saying, it's easier to talk about than to do. Um, I I had pop into my mind an experience. I, I worked uh, way early on in my career, so I, I was finishing up my master's degree, and my initial intention was actually to do the full time consulting work. Um, I, at the time, I was thinking internal consulting. I, I was interviewing with big companies, you know, to go go into their training and development type departments and such. Um, and so I, I was in that process. But in my last year of my master's program, I was interning uh, with a, a consulting firm that was local uh, here, and it was so interesting to me. It was so eye eye opening because the uh, the the CEO, um, who was an amazing speaker, very dynamic, uh, was very sought after. He was the worst leader ever. Um, he was like this, this uh, tyrant boss, micromanager, um, like nothing he talked about in his, in his, uh, uh, his training and his books and all that. None of that came out in the way he actually ran his business. Um, it was just so eye-opening. Uh, to see and and to realize like it really is a different skill set you can talk about it and you can be really really good at talking about it uh, but you also need to be able to do it and implement it and, and there's there it's not rocket science like there's there's some fairly straightforward tactical things that you can do right away to make yourself a more effective leader and unfortunately this boss was not that way um, and so there were some good lessons learned there about what to avoid uh, but we can also talk about like the good examples of things that we want to try to emulate. Yeah, I love the fact that though that experience may have shifted your professional trajectory, maybe away from going right into the practical field work and then actually maybe spending more time in the academic side of things. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Well, good. Um, as we get started, I'm wondering, we, we do want to talk about your book, um, but I'm wondering if we can start with kind of the assumptions that leaders often hold on to that might get them into trouble. Uh, some of those pitfalls, those potholes that, that people tend to just repeatedly fall into. Yeah, sure, John. So interesting, because we think about potholes, pitfalls, and they're all based on our beliefs. And the beliefs really come from the stories that we tell. You know, in my research, I found that only about 23% of people believe their leaders lead well, which is a shockingly low number. So the question is, what is getting in the way? And I think there are some collective beliefs that really do trip leaders up. And a lot of these are holdovers from the industrial age. If we think about, you know, organizational leadership was born in an environment where literally workers were paid to shut up and not think, right? Just turn off your brain, show up. Henry Ford said this famously about his employees in the Ford Motor Company. He said, why is it when I want a pair of hands, they come with a brain attached? Right? So this idea that leaders were in charge and they were the thinkers, the brains, and labor was the brawn, employees just shut up and just do what I tell you to do. So one of the biggest traps that we fall into is that getting drunk on our own job title, on our own power, and thinking, hey, I'm in charge. It's my job to tell you what to do. You know, I'll tell you a quick story that kind of brings this assumption to life. So I worked with a guy named Matt, who's a district manager for a fast food franchise. Now, when I met Matt, he was ranked out of 100 district managers the whole company had, he was ranked number one. And I said, Matt, that's really impressive. Have you always been a top performer? And he said, no, actually, when I started, I was like 84th. 
So I said, so what changed? He said, this was my mindset when I started. And I think this is the same trap that many leaders fall into. He said, I thought I was supposed to be the fixer. So I would go around and, you know, every day we would get this list of what the key metrics were. They call it the hot list in their company. So he'd read the hot list every morning and then he'd look for what was written in red. So it was not measuring up and he'd run from store to store because he had about eight different restaurants he was overseeing as the district manager. And he'd go in there and telling people, you gotta fix this, you gotta do this, do this, do this, do this. And he did that for years. He said, I was working so hard and I was struggling. And I realized people don't want to work for a fixer. They want to work with a leader. And so he changed his approach. So he realized that, you know, yes, he's in the fast food business, but he's a leader. He's in the people business. So the first thing he needs to do is develop relationships. So he started asking people, hey, how are you? How was your day? How was your weekend? What's going on? And to build some human to human relationships first. And then he'd bring in the hot list, but he wouldn't say, do this, fix that. He'd say, hey, here's the data. What do you think we should do? And he'd start to engage in a dialogue and a two-way conversation. And together with his restaurant managers, he would co-create an action plan of what they should do. So for him, it was a real flip. And what he described, he said, you know, the coolest thing is, yeah, I'm number one now. But when I was number 84, I was so much more stressed out. And I was working so much harder than I do now. And not only are we getting great results now, we're having so much more fun. And so many of my former restaurant managers have been promoted. They're also my peers now. So he felt like he was leaving this legacy, doing all this different stuff. And the shift was letting go of that paradigm of I'm in charge. I'm the fixer. It's my job to tell people what to do. A great, great story. And it's so good to hear that he came to that realization uh, because I think so many leaders never do. Uh, they, they, to your point, you know, sometimes people get drunk on power a little bit um, and whether they intend to or not, they kind of slip into it. Um, and it's, it's to, to be expected to, to an extent because these are very successful people. Um, the reason why they've progressed in their career and why they've taken on leadership roles is because they typically have been very high performers in whatever role they've had previously. And now they, they have been elevated uh, and given responsibility to, to uh, supervise and manage and lead other people. Um, but as we all know from the example of Michael Scott in the office, um, not all um, uh, salespeople will become great managers. You know, the Peter principle is real and people can um, end up in positions where they're quite incompetent if we're not careful in how we make those decisions on who gets promoted. Um, so anyways, I mean, there, there are well-intended, well-meaning um, leaders who find themselves in positions and they're the experts. They they're there because of how successful they've been. And it can be a really hard thing to shift the mindset to realize this is a whole different ball game now that I'm leading people. Uh, and you have to find ways to tap into their expertise. You're no longer the expert that uh, everyone's looking to. You're, you create the vision, you cr help create um, the approach and the strategic pathway to help people succeed but you need to tap into their expertise and tap into their passions and their motivation. And that's, what's going to help the team to succeed. And that's your example illustrated that perfectly that he had that mindset shift. And I think for anyone listening, you know, it's, it's an opportunity for some critical self-reflection. You know, how do we lead? Uh, are we kind of more of that micromanaging hands all over everything, want to be in tight control, um, telling other people how to do their job and what to do all the time. If that's our mentality, 
as good as we may be uh, and as many balls as we may be able to juggle and keep in the air at once, we're never going to have as good of a uh, set of outcomes as we will if we can develop our people and help them to be autonomous knowledge workers that can actually you know, bring forth really great results. You make excellent point, John. And, you know, I think a good litmus test for anyone to ask yourself, what type of leader are you? Are you the fixer or the leader? Is ask yourself, how comfortable would you be going to your team and asking them for their honest feedback on, you know, how are you really doing? Are you really open to that? And do you seek that out actively? You know, I think one of the reason only 23% of people think their leaders lead well, well, first of all, they feel very comfortable sharing that in an anonymous survey but most leaders create walls and there's the ego and there's the power and the status. So speaking up and telling, Hey, you know, actually I think you're a lousy leader in most places would be a career limiting move. And so unless we create that psychological safety where people feel enough openness and trust and desire on our parts that, no, I want to be a better leader. What can I be doing differently to help you even more? If you're not ready for that answer, that probably says that some ego is still in the weeds. And you know, and that's a tough one because there are places where I totally want feedback. And if I'm really honest, there are places in my life, I'm not ready for it. So it's, it's a good question for any of us to ask. And if you're really willing to make that leap and realize it's not, a, this is a kind of, to me, one of the main rules of leadership. It's not about you, right? It's about the people you're leading. And in fact, if you can make them succeed, then you will in fact be successful. That, that is an excellent, excellent point. I completely agree. It's not about us, it's about them. And again, that's counterintuitive to a lot of people who have found themselves in, in elevated positions because of previous success. Um, but once, once you're in that role, it's all about helping lift everyone around you. Um, and you know, as, as the water level rises and you consider yourself the boat, as the water, water level rises, everyone rises, everyone in the boat rises. So we need to, uh, we need to tap in uh, to the collective genius of, of the people within our, our group. And the quickest way to shut down that creativity and innovation is to be a micromanaging, controlling type of a leader because people just, in that context, they don't take risks. Um, and they just will get used to waiting around for orders rather than trying to figure out, you know, what's, what can they do to, to move things forward when they hit a, a challenge. So I'm curious with, with your book, The Leadership Code, um, what are some of the, the key foundational practical insights uh, that you can share with listeners about what they can do to develop greater trust, um, to, to help uh, people have greater confidence in them, and just to be effective? Sure, yeah. So with the book, and the title is Cracking the Leadership Code, the subtitle of the book are The Three Secrets to Building Strong Leaders. And those three secrets are connection, communication, and collaboration. So I'll just kind of drill down to some tactical level of some of this. So under connection, let's start with connection. At its core, leadership is 
It's not a job title. It is a relationship between two human beings. And we all know it, right? There are people that we're around. They make us feel smart. There are other people that we're around. They make us feel stupid. So there's clearly, it's not us. It's, it's something going on in that relationship. And what great leaders do, and I'll kind of paraphrase Maya Angelou slightly, who once said, you know, people won't remember what you said. They won't remember what you did, but they'll remember how you made them feel. So if we think about that and extrapolate that out, the relationship that we build is a relationship on how do people feel. And so what do we need to do as leaders? We need to develop those relationships through empathy. And I define empathy as showing people that you understand them and that you care how they feel. Again, easier said than done. So one of the best things you can do to become a more empathic leader is to go into a conversation and be planning to listen with purpose. See, what gets in our way oftentimes as leaders is we have our own agenda. And if you're gonna listen to someone and care how they feel and show them empathy, you need to park your own agenda and your own mindset and your own to-do list and really listen and be curious and be open to them. And guess what? Building relationship takes time. You can't just check it off your to-do list. It's not just an email you can quickly send out. So part of leadership wisdom is, yeah, there's a time and a place to drive for results and go fast. But when it comes to building relationships, have some spaciousness and take some time and listen with purpose and find out more about people. You know, I think it was Dale Carnegie that once said, if you want to be seen as interesting, be interested. So be interested in people, find out about them. So that's a key piece to being able to build and strengthen your empathic connection muscle. Another big key component to building connection is you want as a leader to be seen as credible. So what are things that you're doing to increase and strengthen your credibility? One very simple thing you can do is show up on time. So like we all know the leaders and you show up for the one, you're ready for the one-on-ones like, oh, I'm sorry, but this really important meeting came up or I got to meet with senior management or I've got this client meeting and you keep getting pushed down the road further and further. I'm sure many of us have had that experience. What that sends the message to you is something's more important. I don't care that much about you. And so one of the things that starts to quickly enhance credibility is you showing up on time because timeliness and presence is the easiest thing in the world to measure. You're either there or you're not. So that's step one. Step two on the credibility scale is be really clear and intentional and mindful of what you say you're going to do and then follow up and do it. In fact, that's my best definition of accountability. It's doing what you say you're going to do. That if you think of accounting, accountability comes from accounting and the balance sheet, right? We have expenses and we have, um, and we have inflow. Inflow, in, you know, they have to be in account, be balanced. Well, in leadership, it's what you say you're going to do is one side of the equation. And then what you actually did do is the other side of the equation. So being really clear and committed and conscious and intentional about what those things are. So those are a couple of simple, practical things to enhance your connection. So maybe I'll just stop there because we can go on and talk about communication and collaboration as well, but I just want to give you a chance to, to respond to that first. Yeah, awesome. Uh, great, great tips. And I think now, obviously, you go into great depth within your book uh, to talk about each of these elements in greater detail and providing examples, um, all of which is super helpful. It's also important to remember, like, really, it's not rocket science. These are pretty, you know, straightforward foundational principles that we can all work to start doing right now. Um, 
we can we can build those relationships and those connections. It takes intentionality. It takes mindfulness. It just takes being present with people. Um, you know, you shared some good examples of of how that sometimes doesn't come across, even if if our intentions are good. The way that doesn't come across well all the time. A, a simple matter of like showing up on time, as you mentioned, but also not canceling meetings. For goodness sakes, the the number of times that people um, just simply punt the ball and, and cancel meetings, um, it, it sends a very clear message. Now, some of that can't be avoided. Everyone understands that. But very quickly, you will establish a reputation as that person who's constantly punting, constantly pushing off, constantly putting people off. Um, and that's not going to build trust. That's not going to build relationships. And it's not going to build confidence. Um, it's, and it's a pretty simple thing. Just stay on top of what you're doing, be accountable, do what you say you're going to do, like you mentioned, and, and show up, be there, be present, listen actively, um, set, park your agenda, like you said. These are all fairly straightforward approaches, but they may be counterintuitive at times, and they may, um, they may be different than what we're used to doing. So, so it's just a matter of kind of creating the, the habit, um, and that's where the intentionality is really important, because sometimes we kind of have to really just make the decision today i'm going to be more present with my people when i'm talking to them you know i'm not going to be thinking about the next thing i'm going to this 10 minutes i'm going to be with them and only them and we're going to have an opportunity to connect and and really start to to build and develop our relationship sometimes we just have to be that purposeful you know at the beginning of our day to say this is our goal for today but you know what if we start doing that pretty soon that will become habit. And, and we will just naturally uh, be able to have those types of conversations and be present. Uh, and as we start to develop that habit, it becomes more comfortable and it becomes more natural. So I totally get some leaders simply are uncomfortable. Like they, they don't, they're, maybe they're not you know, outgoing, extroverted people person. Uh, and so they really don't wanna have conversations with everyone or they really, you know, they say, hey, good morning, how are you? They really just want someone to, to wave and nod and say, hi, good, how are you? And then be done. Um, I get that. Uh, that's how a lot of people are. But, but we can do more if, if we just practice. Practice, uh, perfect practice makes perfect. Yeah. Other, other thoughts in relation to uh, uh, the empathy element or any of the other aspects that you were mentioning? Yeah, well, it's interesting. You know, you talked about this idea of it takes practice. I totally agree. It does take practice. And, you know, I think about the people that I coach. And if you aren't willing to be coachable, right, if you don't have that growth learner mindset that's curious and want to grow, this will all be really hard for you. Because let's face it, if you're in a position of leader, well, you probably wouldn't be listening to this podcast, first of all, you're one of those people, but we all know people who are like, frankly, like they're good. Like I'm, in my mind, I'm successful. The way I do things is good enough. I don't want to change. And if you have that fixed, I'm done mindset, all of the skills and the tools and the techniques really won't amount to much of anything because you're going to be very resistant. That said, if you are open to the possibility of transformation, it starts by really taking that honest assessment of where are you? And the fact that we all have bad habits at this stuff. You know, we live in a world that applauds us multitasking and keeps us going that way. And then we're going at this fast pace. And yeah, there are some great benefits to that. 
I mean, we're probably all listening to this podcast on a device right now. So don't get me wrong. I'm not against technology, but it has its time and its place. And where is it getting in your way? And what can you do to facilitate the development and potential of others? I mean, this is what I think at its core we're trying to get to is that ultimately as leaders, we want to set the people around us up for success. Absolutely. Very well said. Uh, we're about out of time. Uh, and I know you're very busy and you need to get on to your next thing. Uh, I really appreciate you dedicating the time to have this conversation with me. Uh, it means a lot that you're, you're willing to set the time aside. Before we finish today, uh, I would just ask you to share with the listeners, how can they find out more about you? How can they get in uh, contact with you um, so they can uh, schedule appointments or, or find your book or anything like that? Yeah, sure. Probably the easiest place to find me is the book has its own website, which is easier to spell than my name. So I'll, I'll spell this out for you. It's the name of the book. It's www.crackingtheleadershipcode.com. If you go there, you can learn all about the book. You can actually download the first chapter and give it a preview. While you're there, that's going to take you part of the Alain Hunkins, A-L-A-I-N-H-U-N-K-I-N-S.com um, website. You can learn all about the work that I do, whether it's individuals or teams or organizations doing speaking, coaching, training, and consulting under the umbrella of how to become a better leader. You can feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. And since you've listened in this far, you are now part of the end of the podcast club, which means if you have any questions or want to contact me directly, I'm going to give you my email address. Really simple. It's Alain, A-L-A-I-N, at AlainHunkins.com, A-L-A-I-N-H-U-N-K-I-N-S.com. And I will answer any and all emails that come from that. So please feel free to reach out with any leadership questions or comments. And I'm always happy to start the conversation with you. Excellent. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure talking with you. And I encourage my listeners to reach out, um, check out the book, reach out to Alain. And uh, I hope everyone stays healthy and safe. Have a fantastic week. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.